At long last, it's the WNBA semifinals. Game one, and both road teams take the win. We've got Jackie Powell here to break down the first day of WNBA semifinal action. It's the Locked On Women's Basketball Podcast. Let's go. You are Locked On Women's Basketball. Your daily podcast on women's basketball. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Locked On Women's Basketball. This is Alex Simon from Bay Area News Group. Thanking you for making Locked On Women's Ball your first listen every single day here at Locked On Women's Basketball. And don't forget, Locked On Women's Basketball is free and available on all platforms that you get your podcast. And you can even watch the episode every day on YouTube. And that's where you can see this lovely unionize the minor shirt I'm wearing today. Sounds like that's going to be a pretty important story on this Monday. And we support any and all unionization efforts in that regard. But that's a personal message. And I wanted to bring in a friend to talk about the finally here WNBA semifinals. It seemed like it had been weeks since we had seen some of these teams play. And Jackie Pallet had at least been a week since we saw Seattle and Las Vegas play. It, it felt like the rust showed up just a little bit for them. It absolutely did. And I think it was Becky Hammond who said during her pregame that she even expected it. I guess when you look at the fact that you had that, there is going to be a delay. There is going to be a week between games. I kind of wonder if that had been something that there could have been some scheduling, a ways to schedule around, but it did create quite the Sunday for action that way. In the Seattle-Vegas game, it's really been a very contentious time each and every time they've met up in the last four or five years, but especially since they met in the finals in the bubble I guess just as we got into this series, how what were you anticipating as kind of a key that showed up or didn't show up in game one so far? So I was expecting, obviously, the matchup of the series was Brianna Stewart and Asia Wilson, and I was expecting that the two of them would cancel each other out. That is not what happened at all. The I would have to watch it again, but... Asia Wilson only had, or I would have to watch it again to determine, was it Seattle denying Asia so that she only got 10 shots? She shot three for 10 from the field, eight points and three assists and 12 rebounds. But I mean, 10 shots for one of the two that are going to be, or the top two folks in the MVP race. I mean... That's that's not what I expected. And not to mention a single shot attempt, which was missed in the fourth quarter. One shot for your potential MVP in the fourth quarter of a pivotal game seems uh, not ideal, no matter how you splice it. That is correct. What did come true was Chelsea Gray. I had a feeling that she was my ace's X factor because she's just been on an absolute tear. And I feel like if so, obviously, Dierica Hamby, one of their main pieces is out right now. I feel like if Chelsea Gray were injured, I'd be much more concerned because Chelsea Gray is sort of the 
she's sort of like the the Professor X, if I'm going to make an X-Men reference. She's sort of... I like that. I like that. Well, it is worth pointing out, by the way, that of the five aces who start that they have made very much a part of their core, Chelsea Gray is the only one who has won a title. The other four have all been drafted and developed by the aces, but this aces franchise has been kind of one of two that have been close but no cigar franchise and haven't cracked through to win a title in recent years. Um, But Chelsea did back when she was with the Los Angeles Sparks before. She's the one veteran around that Hamby, Wilson, Plum, Jackie Young quartet that has all been drafted by the Aces, developed, I guess, technically for Hamby and Plum, we should say, drafted by the Silver Stars Mm -hmm. before they all went to Vegas. But they've developed in Las Vegas. They've become the core together. Gray is the one player who's not part of that core in that way but it's because she was winning a title and you can see in these moments she is very comfortable taking them over and perhaps maybe to the point her teammates are very comfortable letting her take over but do you need i i would argue very heavily that we need to see asia wilson being more forceful in getting the ball to herself or not kicking out and if even if she's taking shots that are otherwise bad shots, it's tough for Asia to take a truly bad shot in terms of what it means for the offense for Las Vegas. I mean, Asia needs touches. I think that's sort of what it comes down to. Asia needs to touch the ball because when Asia touches the ball, the defense is going to move. And that's what the Aces need. And to be quite honest, uh, a weakness of the Aces this season is when they don't see their shots fall early, they rush and they don't move the ball and they don't play, as Becky Hammond says, the right way. And so when she said this earlier in the season, I remember she said this, when the Aces played the Liberty in this game that was in Las Vegas where the Liberty came back and and beat them like 116 to 107, Becky Hammond said after that game, she said, well, I have to tip my hat to them because they played the right way and we didn't. And I believe the Liberty had many more assists than the Aces did. And so if you were to look at this game, and you would look, look at the assist tallies. So while the Aces shot 41.2% from the field and Seattle shot 41.3%, only one-tenth of a percentage higher. The real difference is if you look in how the ball moved. So the Aces only had 16 assists, and the Storm had 23. 23 assists. So that's seven assists more? I mean... You know, when you talk about shot selection, the Aces' shot selection to begin this game was was atrocious. I, I got a text from a, a group, chat, group chat I'm in, and uh, the friend and colleague of mine was like, this is the worst I've ever seen the Aces' offense. They just looked very out of place. Obviously, Seattle plays a very aggressive style defense. Mm-hmm. But um, at the same time, it just it took them a long time to get settled in. And if shots weren't falling, they sort of go into this panic mode instead of trusting their defense. And, and Becky Hammond has been banging this drum all year long that 
they're not going to win if they don't buy in defensively. And it, again, it took them a long time in this game to buy in defensively. I will say this. Uh, I read something. I believe uh, I'm looking right now. I'm at Bleacher Report, and I see it's Jackie Powell. I'm not sure if you guys are related, Jackie, in any way. But uh, the big question that Jackie Powell over at Bleacher Report wrote ahead of the series was, how does Seattle guard the Aces' shot creation? And to some extent, they didn't need to guard it too much because the Aces really were trying to individually create shots. And part of what makes them as successful as they've been this year, as you're getting to, is how they distribute the basketball and move the basketball to create shots. So when the dribbles start to pop really heavily, uh, it turns out that makes it easier to defend. And even in a game, by the way, where Seattle did not have Gabby Williams and Steph Talbot got into foul trouble very quickly, uh, it didn't seem to hurt Seattle as much as I would have thought it did. You know, what What also helps Seattle is when, even when she's bad, Jewel Lloyd can sometimes take over a fourth quarter. But Jewel Lloyd had a good first three quarters and then still took over the fourth quarter. Right now, when this Seattle team is as thick as they are in terms of their depth, it, it, they've got to be really tough to try to scout against. Oh, yeah, because they can... They can score on you in so many different ways. I think that's something we don't talk about. We talk about, oh, well, the Aces can can score on you in so many different ways. And I'm like, well, wait a minute. The, the Seattle Storm are just as dangerous, if not more. You have outside shooting, obviously, from Jewel Lloyd. You get it from Brianna Stewart. You get it from Steph Talbot. Super, that player who can hit a couple of threes when you're not expecting them. Yeah. You get shot creation from the mid range, from Jewel, from Stewie, from who else? I mean, I I was going to say, you could also throw in uh, the player who led the WNBA in scoring last year, Tina Charles. I think you've gotten to know Tina once or twice over the years. Uh, Yes, Tina. Well, the thing about Tina, and I think Sue Bird has said this a couple of times, Tina gives the Storm a whole other dimension. Mm -hmm. Sue has said that the Storm have not had a on-the-block post-penetrator like Tina in years. That's not really Stewie's bread and butter. She can do it, but it's... You you could go all the way back to Lauren Jackson with the last one that Sue has played with at the level offensively that Tina is at in that regard. Lauren Jackson, who I wish they would have signed as well, just to add more Hall of Famers to this roster uh, since she is still playing. But uh, yeah, and Tina, by the way, made a huge play defensively, batting the ball from Kelsey Plum back into Plum as it went out of bounds. So, you know, charitably, Tina hasn't necessarily always been the best defender, but if she can be a little more engaged, get a little more active you kind of wonder if that tangible feeling of how close she is to the WNBA finals is maybe, uh, and really, I think it would be the first time in what her entire career that she's reached the WNBA finals. So uh, I was looking at this. Was there a year when she was in Connecticut with Mike Tebow where the sun made it? I'd have to look. I thought. I would also have to double check, which. If we keep talking and stalling, one of us will have it loaded up fast enough that we'll be able to see uh, if she made it all the way there one of those years. But uh, I can talk about Tina if you want to look look it through because the comment 
I have about Tina's performance was that although she was missing some shots at the rim and she was missing some chippies that just didn't go, what I was most impressed by was how she sort of buckled down and was like, you know what? That doesn't matter. I'm going to impact this game in other ways. Mm -hmm. I'm going to get on the glass. I'm going to be really aggressive rebounding the ball. And it's interesting because there's some people who consider rebounding and defensive rebounding a part of defense. I don't know if I do. I sort of put it in its own category rather than how you're defending someone. I guess boxing someone out I don't know if I consider that defense. Maybe I do. Maybe I don't. But Tina even spoke in the the post-game press conference that she actually studied some tendencies of Las Vegas' post players to try to figure out how to box them out and how to make sure that she was getting all of those rebounds. I mean, she had... I mean, it was a storm franchise record. She had 18 rebounds. That's That seems like a good number. Yes, it does. And and this is a player, I, I am sure as he's listening to this, as I fill in for him on the podcast, our fearless leader, Howard Megdal, is just screaming at us. No, Tina has never made it to the WBA final. She's been twice one game away playing a winner-take-all game three back in the old semis when they only played three. And lost, both, her team lost both of those times. Tamika Catchings, that player seems pretty good. She knocked her mm-hmm. Tina out both times. My, what a word. Uh, I do think, yeah. It's going to be a fascinating series and one that, you know, there was a full week in between these two teams last game. Actually, Vegas even had an extra day than that. So there was time for them to study the tendencies. And I am sure it will be a fascinating series as we get ready for game two there. Before we go to game two, one of the other series, though, I want to ask, are you one of those people who thinks it's okay to drive stoned? Oh, God, that can happen. You end up driving below the speed limit. It's no big deal, right? Wrong. The truth is your reaction times slow way down when you're high. You not only put yourself in danger, but everyone around you. Talk about a buzzkill. So please stop kidding yourself. It's not okay to drive high. If you've been using marijuana in any form, do not get behind the wheel. If you feel different, drive different. And if you drive high, you will get a DUI. Jackie, thank you for joining us for this podcast. People can read your coverage at the next. I'm sure there will be some more Liberty stuff here, but what you're doing kind of about the WNBA at large can be read over at Bleacher Report, where I noticed in your preview uh, that you said Dewana Bonner might be the X factor for the Connecticut Sun. And boy, did that turn out to be true in game one here as these other road team, both road teams go on to take the first game of the semifinals. And uh, I just wanted to get your thoughts on what you saw from the Connecticut Sun and especially from Dewana Bonner. Well, from the Connecticut Sun, they they did what I thought they were going to do when it came to trying to get this one win. And what they had to do was they had to make the sky feel really uncomfortable and sort of junk up the pretty offense that the sky run. And that's exactly what they did. And and Kurt Miller came on during his post-game press conference and he said, listen, like the key to us winning games in this series is it's going to have to be messy. It's going to have to be a messy game. And, it, and if you look at the score, it, it is a messy game. I mean, 68 to 63, that that is low scoring. If we look at the shot percentages, I mean, 
The sky shot 35.3%. The, the, sh- the sun shot 37.3%. I mean, you know, you hold a team to under 40% and it's it gives you a good shot of winning that game. But that was not the case. And the sun scored, I believe, was it 20 points off uh, Chicago turnovers? And, and that's sort of... That's their bread and butter. I mean, the Sky are really good in transition as well, but as are the Sun. And I just wonder, too, you know, I think your big question coming in, and one that I think everybody had after the way these two teams played last season, was do the Sky have an answer in this touch? Excuse me, do the Sun have an answer to the Sky? And in part, Dewana Bonner being so capable of crashing into the lane and especially because Dewana was playing the two for a significant stretch of the fourth quarter as Kurt Miller brought out the biggest lineup the world's ever seen. Uh, He has been reticent to use this too often this season. I actually, during the game, kind of did some sleuthing on the WNBA's stats website and kind of looked in the regular season. He used it at different points, but he tried to keep the minutes low and you know, it was obviously with a bunch of different guards to have Bree Jones, John Quell Jones, Bonner, Alyssa Thomas all on the floor at the same time. It does hamper you in some ways in terms of offensive rhythm, but it's a lethal defensive lineup. And especially tonight, we saw a lot with Natisha Heidemann on the floor. And it, it was just insane how defensive that group got toward the end of the game there. But the key to that group is the person you identified as the X factor to want honor. She needs to be able to go score for that super big lineup to work. And she did just that in the fourth quarter and especially late getting to the free throw line as they answered the sky coming back and taking the lead at a couple of different points in the fourth quarter. It was Bonner who was helping initiate getting an assist to a Bree Jones jumper when that was needed, helping drive and draw a foul with only a minute and a half to go. Uh, I, I thought this was a great, great game from Dewana Bonner, one that they truly needed in order to pull this one off. Yeah, I mean, if you take a look at the simple box score, and you look at the two most efficient players for the Sun in Bree Jones and John Quill Jones, the fact that each had eight shots apiece, you think at first you're like, hmm, why is that happening? And so Kurt Miller explained in his own words in the post game that that's by design. The Sky defense wants the most efficient players to have the uh, least amount of looks. Mm-hmm. And so that leaves a player like Dewana Bonner an opportunity to, I guess, be really aggressive. And that's what she was. I mean, if you look at her field goal percentage, it it also was not pretty. Like if you were to... You basically compare Dewana Bonner's performance to the performance of the sun. And it's sort of parallel in that it both wasn't very pretty, but it was gritty enough for them to both get the job done. I mean, you look, Dewana Bonner had nine rebounds and five assists. And she's a small forward. Three I steals, mean, too, by the way, on top of that. Three, yes, three steals. And she's a small forward. I mean, I, I've seen some really interesting... I guess, sets where you basically have Bonner as a ball handler coming off a pick and roll with Alyssa Thomas, who, as we know, they they have great chemistry because they are 
you're in a relationship off the court. But um, I've seen that play play out recently where Bonner comes off the Alyssa Thomas screen and then she makes a decision. It's either does she does she drive to the basket or does she kick it out somewhere? And uh, No, go ahead, Jackie, please. And I've just noticed that she's she's been a pretty good decision maker when it comes to does she slash or does she pass out? My only reservation with her decision making is just those those threes that are just awful looks and she just sort of goes for them anyway. I mean, she was one for six from three. Those shots weren't great looks. <laughs> I don't think they need every shot she takes to be great just to make the defense have to respect the shot. And especially if her passing is solid, uh, part of it, again, if you're driving, she's six for six from the three throw line, which ends up being the easiest points you can get, but also really vital in a low scoring game. One other number, you mentioned Dewana had nine rebounds. You also have Alyssa Thomas with 10 rebounds. You have John Quill Jones with nine rebounds. You know who also grabbed nine rebounds? Courtney Williams. I got to say this, when you look at the total rebounding number, Connecticut out-rebounds Chicago 47 to 36. So they they did out-rebound them by a decent margin. It looks so much worse for Chicago when you realize that half of those rebounds were Candace Parker. So Candace grabs 18 rebounds for Chicago. And then the player who had the next most behind Candace was Azaree Stevens at four. Ooh. And then only three players had three. If Chicago is going to have a chance in this series i relatively thinking you know for the most part hey look chicago's gonna shoot better than 35 percent. they're gonna shoot better than 26 8 for 30 26 8 for 30 from three point i'm not too worried about that part of the offense what i am worried about is how are you not attacking the glass more how are you not making sure that courtney williams is not grabbing nine rebounds they might have been easy rebounds sure you know, long ones or whatnot, but you cannot have one player be your rebounding machine and have everybody else going to do other things. Frankly, that's a formula that the Phoenix Mercury tried and failed for years around Brittany Griner in some of these playoff runs that they had where they ran into walls, even as they were winning playoff games. And Candace is a phenomenal player and she deserves all the plaudits for what was a truly sensational basketball game. Let me just read the stat line. So we have it 19 points. 18 rebounds, five assists, four steals, six blocks. Uh, that is a that is a stat line from a player, and that is a player who put on a performance that deserved to win, but no one else really stepped up to help her enough to get that win. And thus, Chicago's down 0-1. Yeah, I mean, from what I predicted in my playoff preview, I think they're going to respond uh, because we saw how they responded after game one uh, against the Liberty. But um, I, I think it's interesting because Azaree Stevens spoke post-game and she thought that, or at least it was almost, her team wasn't ready for the type of defensive coverage and the type of defensive intensity that Connecticut played with. And, and I must give it to Courtney Williams. I mean, I watch her. She was pretty aggressive on the glass. And, and Courtney Williams, because she has that elevation, she can be a good rebounder when she puts her mind to it. And, of course, there was this very dramatic moment where she and Clea Copper were, were battling for the ball. It was a jump ball. They were, like, on top of each other. They didn't want to let go. And 
No, you're good. I, I I think what we're what we're seeing here is that these two teams met up, and this is essentially the inverse of what happened in last year's game, where a Connecticut team that's super defensive was the hosting Chicago, and Chicago forced that game to overtime, but got it to be really offensive. Courtney Vandersloot has a great triple double performance, and they get the win. Even if they lose game two, they had two at home and took care of the series in Chicago. This year, Connecticut probably knows it needs to keep these games kind of ugly, kind of low scoring. And 68 to 63 is exactly how I think Kurt Miller and the Sun would like this to stay. That magic number to me feels, at least in regular season, kind of around 80. If we're getting at or near 80, it seems like that's going the way the sky want it. Connecticut can score there, but at least through game one, if you're Connecticut, you just have to feel like, all right, we got one. We can play loose in game two. Not worry if we lose. We got two games at home to take care of business. Uh, And I think we're getting very close to the point where the Connecticut Sun look like even without Jasmine Thomas, it might be just fine this season. And uh, they are now two wins away from the WNBA Finals. Jackie Powell, you predicted in your Bleacher Report preview, both series. For your first one, you said the Storm in five. I have to imagine you're still feeling very confident in that and might only be wrong if Seattle makes it a shorter series. I guess. How do you, you did those say sky and four. Do you feel like this is a Chicago team that has enough to, I guess, not just win one game here to make sure they even the series up, but then potentially go and get both road games. You just saw them take a winner take all road game in New York. Are you pretty confident in what the sky team could do if they had to go in and now they will have to get one win in Connecticut, if not two to advance to the next round. Do you think that they're capable of doing that right now? I think so. I mean, the way they played against the Liberty in games two and three, it um, they were pretty scary defensively. And I thought defensively tonight, they were, I mean, they were fine. I, I think we have to remember that the Connecticut Sun, the way they play offensively is very like bully ball in the paint. It, it's, it's not a lot of ball player movement. Mm-hmm. It's not a lot of pick and roll. It's, it's very much so post seals on the block. So I, I, I think the, the Chicago Sky need to tighten up defensively. I mean, James Wade w- was fine with the defensive performance, and obviously it was a, what, it was a 68-63 game. It was very defensive in general. But, I mean, I just didn't see the Sky being – as aggressive until the second half. And they have to be aggressive all the way through. The Sun were the ones who had the first punch. And, you know, the the Sky pulled out the first punch in games two and three against the Liberty. And it will be fascinating to see when we get games two for both of these series coming up on Wednesday. Jackie, thank you so much for joining us. Where can the people find you and all that you do covering the WNBA? Y'all can find me at my Twitter handle. I always do this wrong. There we go. Yeah, you got it there. 
but you should probably say it out loud for the audio listeners on the podcast feed. I know that this is, is a visual true. podcast, but I know, I know. Yes, the people watching will see me yawn as it's quite late. But um, you can find me at, at Classic J Pal. And uh, my work covering the WNBA writ large and, and nationally, that can be found at Bleacher Report for predictions. And later there will be some features when we get to the finals. And um, if you want to read about the New York Liberty and what they've done and what they will be doing, you can read that work of mine at thenexthoops.com. Currently, I'm working on a piece about how their season ended and, and what the future holds. It is quite the future, and you never know who will be a part of it in the WNBA because Liberty feel like a fascinating team in that regard. You can find me at Alex Simon Sports. Make sure you check out at The Next Hoops to see all of our coverage from the WNBA semifinals. And hey, college basketball season is coming here quick. Be ready for it. We also have this thing called the World Cup down in Australia coming a month from now actually even less than a month from now. I think it's like three weeks away already. So Mm -hmm. get ready for some late nights over in New York City, Jackie, because if you're staying up to watch the World Cup, it's going to be late into the night, early in the morning. I know you can't wait. I can see it in your eyes right now. Thank you so much for joining us on Lockdown Women's Basketball here on this Monday, the start of the WNBA semifinals. We will be here for the rest of this series all the way through the playoffs. Come back and join us later this week and have a nice Monday, everyone.